Welcome to the Full Dive Gaming Podcast, bringing you a full dive of all the news, discussion, and insights you need for virtual reality gaming. Our podcast is brought to you by Asterian Products, company on Amazon. They got all kinds of VR, AR headset accessories. Check them out. I'm Jay Brat, VR YouTuber, whose channel just reached 35,000 subscribers yesterday. Woo! Congratulations. And That's huge. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Thank you. It was a big day. And I am Matt Brat, a VR enthusiast who is admittedly a little sick of VR climbing. And I'm Lipnox VR, a VR YouTuber who loves finding obscure VR games and apps. True. There was a shout out recently, actually, on Twitter. I was in a thread and someone was like, where do I find really indie games? And someone was like, Lipnox. And I was like, agreed. Yes. It's Lipnox. So true. <laughs> well, for all of you out there, our podcast is here to keep you up to date. We answer the questions, mostly from our Discord, but some from YouTube as well. We talk about the games we've been playing recently and what's going on in VR news. So hang out with us on YouTube or audio, wherever you're at. We appreciate you. And we got some Q&A here to start it off. Nat, what have we got? Yeah. So first off, we have a question from Assassin32 asking, do you find the Quest Pro controllers thumb rest pressure sensor or stylus useful if so what do you use them for <laughs> great question so for those of you out there listening if you don't know about this the new quest pro controllers the spot where you normally rest your thumb on most vr controllers like the quest 2 or anything that now has a pressure plate that you can squeeze and so like in the original demo the guy told me oh well if you were like in a game that had like an egg in your hand and you squeeze the egg it would break which Sure, that's kind of cool. But at the same time, I haven't seen a single gamer app use it. No. And then the other thing that he mentioned here, there is a stylus tip that you can put in the back of the controller and you turn the controller around and pretend like you're using it like a gigantic pen. And that, I guess that it's pretty cool because the stylus tip you could like write on an actual board or on a desk in augmented reality and then you would see the writing show up but I, I unless you're in like 3d design or something yeah i haven't i haven't gotten a chance to test either of those because there's just nothing for me to do with them i totally forgot about the pressure sensor thingy like i completely forgot that was even a thing <laughs> i forgot about the stylus i was trying to remember i was like what what was the stylus thing again and i'm like oh yeah it was the fake drawing thing okay <laughs> yeah which i i feel like they should have just had like i mean i guess that would be hard to do but like a thing that you could just like pull out of it or i don't know obviously that would be too hard but why why would anyone want to write with a freaking controller like mm -hmm. that's not going to be comfortable yeah i mean if you're already spending the money on a quest pro you might as well have like a special controller that has the sensors on the like on the pen you can just do it with an actual pen like yeah that's what i yeah. would prefer anyways uh, we got another question <laughs> from chili's 94 and uh, nintendo xbox and playstation have announced they won't be at e3 this year does this mean VR announcements will have their own digital directs going forward? And uh, I don't remember any VR announcements at any E3 ever, uh, except for, I mean, maybe maybe the Nintendo Labo VR things. Maybe they talked about that <laughs> at E3. But uh, I mean, I think E3 is ultimately it costs the companies that go on there a huge amount of money for that floor space and have that audience when in reality, it's just that time of year at this point. All you got to do is be like, OK, we got this you know, June, July timeframe, we're going to put out, you know, 20 minute, 30 minute, maybe 40 minute presentation, and we're going to show off all this cool stuff. And uh, even those I haven't really seen the VR industry following beside that they usually have, you know, Nintendo will do something. And then I think I think, you know, earlier on, like maybe a month before <laughs> E3 used to happen, Sony has some event and Microsoft has something. I, I don't think EA has anything substantial to show off. 
Activision is now basically unknowingly part of Microsoft, so that's not a thing anymore. Uh, the Bethesda mm-hmm. used to have their own event, but they're Microsoft now. I, I mean, maybe Ubisoft does something and they've got something VR related, but uh, I, I miss I miss the days of E3. I miss them immensely. Mm-hmm. I feel like that was just the most exciting time to be a gamer. I remember being uh, like high school level and they had... Uh, like the E3 coverage on these like four disc DVD set. And I remember watching that so many times <laughs> and just being like, this is such a cool thing to go to these conference things. But I think the reality is, is it looked really cool from the videos. But at the end of the day, it was, you know, a lot of smelly people <laughs> in the crowded spaces <laughs> waiting in long lines to play, oh you know, gosh. two minutes of whatever new games coming out that they could be just waiting six months and just play the whole game. So, I mean, I think it's, I think it's, you know, a a really cool idea to, you know, have these live events and have this big production. And I, I think for me, it's just Nintendo direct just is that E3 to me and state of play is that E3. And we had two of those recently. And to me, it's like, Oh, I'd much rather have those throughout the year than just pack it all into this one period of time where I get disappointed. True. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. <laughs> you're fully hitting what I was thinking because I went to CES and it was cool. But I was thinking to myself, like, all these people paid all this money to come here. They flew here and you've got 100,000 people that might stop by your booth and check it out. Or you could post one video on YouTube and get like a million views. A million people are going to see that. So it's the changing landscape of media altogether that's going to start making these trade shows feel like what's the point? Because the other half, too, if you post a video on YouTube, it gets a million views. It's probably going to reach some people that didn't know about it, where all the people at these trade shows are into this already. So you're not really you don't really need to sell to those people. They're they're there looking for tech. They're interested in tech. The the obscure smart home lock that when you pull your car near the house, the door unlocks. The consumer that needs that doesn't know they need that. They're not going to be the one at CES. The, the, or the other people are already going to buy it. So I think trade shows are might start to really fall off. Sadly, no. I know. Don't tell companies how it doesn't make sense to do these. <laughs> They're fun. <laughs> they are fun. But ultimately, when it comes to the price, yeah, you got to ask yourself, is it worth it? Dang it. <laughs> I will say showing off some of the headsets or certain like things like that, you know, it's it, it's really hard to be like, this is my new headset that we want people to buy without letting them actually, you know, wear or try the headset yeah. or at least have a content creator that they trust doing that exact thing. So I think in that regard, you know, that kind of stuff might be harder to just end unless they just want to ship units out for test units or something and let people try it out that way. But I definitely think that in terms of the games themselves, it's definitely not yeah. not something you need to do at an event anymore. You just well, post yeah. the videos. And you can send them a digital demo. You know, it's not like it used to yeah. be where you had to get cartridges in people's hands to try it. And it's kind of the same. They got to do a cost analysis of like, OK, yeah, you can't experience this new headset unless you try it yourself but how much does it cost to host this event versus how many units could they just send out to reviewers in that cost because they're probably still going to do that no matter what they could just skip that cost but this is something i could go on about for too long so i'm just going to (laughs) jump into stego man's question here Stego Man says that it seems like Quest accessories like cases and add-ons, golf clubs and stuff, they don't always work with anything besides the default controllers and headset shape. Mm. So recently they MacGyvered a case out of a kid's hard shell suitcase from Goodwill and some foam that they had laying around. And if you're here on the YouTube, I'm going to put a picture up on the screen because it's hilarious. Oh my gosh. Like a Jurassic Park case. It looks great. They they said, what is the best example of creative engineering you've had to do? 
yourself for your quest lifestyle or even VR lifestyle, we'll say. I uh, love Lip, this question. <laughs> Lip, you got something weird you've done to to make something work? Uh, so when I when I first got my quest one, I found it just terribly, terribly uncomfortable, which led mm -hmm. me to experiment with everything imaginable around the house to try to alleviate whatever. And uh, and I continued this when I got the quest two. And uh, with the biggest thing that I did with the quest two was I had a bag of batteries and I sort of like weighed, like, you know, taped them up in a way that they were kind of like a roll. <laughs> and then I used my scarf to sort of wrap around the back of the headset, kind of create that like weight in the back and the thing. And between that and the studio form head strap thing, I was able to take the facial interface off without a halo strap at all. Wow. And get some level nice. of comfort playing the Quest 2 because I just got this new headset. My Halo strap hadn't come in yet and I needed to figure out something because even I don't know how people wear these these headsets stock strap. I just my yeah. entire face just like feels like it's going to die. And then once I feel that like pain in here, I can't play for like two mm. days. <laughs> that is some home engineering. I love yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, we've done I, some weird things here, too. What you Have you got one Nat, that you can think of? Well, I was just thinking of you duct taping the Conquest <laughs> headphone Conquest things. headphones on. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to take us off track just for a second. But so for those of you out there who don't watch MKBHD or Marquez Brownlee, huge tech YouTuber, 16 million, 20 million, I don't know, somewhere out there. But I reviewed those Conquest VR headphones a while back. They were supposed to be super high res, super nice, awesome, super expensive. And I hated them because I couldn't get them to stay on the freaking headset. They sounded good but when you can't get them to stay attached with the clips they came with then what's the point so i ended up duct taping them to the headset just to test them out well mkbhd got a set in this random video he just dropped where he just accepted everything for a month that people offered to send him and he got a set of those and the first thing when he installs them he tries to push them down on his ears and it snaps off the right <laughs> ear side and that was so validating for me yeah. to see because other channels didn't say that in their reviews didn't seem to have this issue and him immediately just tried to put it on so immediately it snapped off and i was like that made me yes. so happy <laughs> yes but it's a stego man's question one of the things that i've done in my living room i needed cable management to keep my vr cable off the ground i hate getting wrapped up in it mm. but my ceiling's really high i didn't want to have hooks hanging everywhere so i took this old starbucks display stand i had randomly <laughs> stolen when i worked there that it's like it's made to hold these big banner signs up so it's it's this extendable bar mm. and it, the bottom is made of like solid concrete so it's really heavy and so i used that and then this old wardrobe they've been sitting around I took a couple bars off of it and attached those to it. So I made this weird like overhead, almost like boom mic arm rig. Then I attached <laughs> pulleys all to it. And so whenever I played the PSVR, I would drag this thing out from beside the TV and hook this thing up. So it's this mobile swinging arm cable solution for that cables. That great. It, it is. We still have it, actually. I'm going to get it back we out We need to bring PSVR it out too. again for upstairs. Yeah, because it was great. But yeah, I've got your commitment. Lines. Yeah. <laughs> I'm some weird lengths myself, so Stego Man, I applaud you for going to weird lengths. I feel like I should try things like that more to like expand my mind and like figure things <laughs> out. Solving. But you always do it for me, so <laughs> we have one last question here. Well, actually, we have a ton more questions, but this is the last one we have time for <laughs> for this episode. Jammy VRX has a question. Do you think incorporating Quest Pro or Pico 4 into a multi-day VR experience, 
such as living in VR for an extended period, would significantly improve the experience? Or how do they improve using a headset for extended periods of time? Could you do things like cooking and cleaning with the improved pass through? This is a great question. I'm going to first throw it to Jay, I think, because you've done your 10 days in VR before. (laughs) Oh, man. When I did the 10 days in VR, I stayed in a headset for 10 days straight. And the only pass through at the time that was reliable was Quest 2 pass through, which is milky, white, grainy. It's not great. Mm -hmm. And I found when I was in that for a very long, it actually made me really agitated. It just did not feel good. I think it might have been a little bit of sickness because the world didn't look right. If I went to do 10 days in VR again and I had even the Quest Pro with its color pass through, yeah, it would be so much better. It's still kind of grainy and it's not great, but you can see a lot better what you're doing through it and things seem a little more one to one with real life. I think that would make a huge difference. But the big question like, yeah, you could do your cooking and cleaning. But I guess the question this boils down to is why? Why would you? You know, I was doing that as a challenge to expand my VR knowledge in my mind. But like outside of that, why would there ever be a reason to have a headset on when you're cleaning? It just sounds like the worst thing ever. You're like down on your hands and knees cleaning under the sink and this headset's weighing your head down as you're trying to reach back there. Oh, yeah, I I definitely... I definitely feel like I came to that same conclusion with the question where I was like, all right, cooking, cleaning, like this doesn't seem like a thing. Like, why don't I, why would I want to be wearing the headset? I can just take the headset off, you know, and come back to it there. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know why that needs to be a thing, but I would assume perhaps, uh, you know, if we take it to more realistic things like, you know, working on your computer and like editing things or, you know, checking out, you know, whatever uh, for workplace types of things, I could definitely see. The more you're doing it, the more you're getting used to doing it and more you're accepting it because, okay, you know, you can you can definitely play, you know, VR games like non VR games in like virtual desktop or, you know, play Android apps like directly on the headset in like the home space thing. But, uh, you know, the headset resolution is different than looking at your TV. And I found, you know, as soon as I stopped using the headset every single day. And then I went and tried to go and do those more 2D types of apps in the headset. It was always it always just felt a little bit weird to me. But I mean, that going that, you know, goes the other way around where when I was at a point where I was, you know, playing, you know, four to six hours of VR chat every single night, uh, playing other VR games all over the place. I mean, it was a seamless experience to sort of get in the headset and start doing stuff. And, you know, it, it felt like a, a second body almost. And uh, I can definitely see. You know, maybe not the pass through so much, but I could definitely see, you know, spending more extended periods of time in VR, improving doing things that are more, you know, multi-day living types of things. Mm -hmm. And I definitely, too, with the PSVR pass through, even though it is black and white, it really looks good. And I feel like that just allows for more, like if you're playing for a long time and you need a drink or a snack, as long as it's like kind of close by, because there's still the wire there. But like, it's a lot easier to do that than like if you're in a quest with the facial interface. If you don't have the facial interface, that's still probably not that big of a deal because you can kind of see, you know, around or like with the pro, you can see around So you can also grab a drink or snack. But apparently that's what's important to me, being able to grab a drink or snack. (laughs) (laughs) With the PSVR 2, the problem is I just can't remind myself still that the button exists. I'm so used Mm. to PSVR 1 pressing the button to slide the scope out and then 
lift it, the headset up and just quickly look under it for something. But when I do remember the buttons there and I use, I'm like, oh, this is nice. But I kind of wish they put it in a more convenient spot because mm. instead of it being near the edge of the headset where you can grab the scope, it's like further under and in the front. It's kind of yeah. way to find it. I almost feel like they should have replaced the scope button with it because then people who had the original one would accidentally press that and then remember, oh, I have this. It would kind of retrain mm. them. But it's a However, of- it's pretty annoying to accidentally press something like that. I guess <laughs> it's not as bad as like on the pro when you have the settings that way you can like tap or even on the quest, you can tap on the side and it'll go. I don't even know what it goes to. I just goes know it's to really pastor. annoying. It's a double it's tap. Like, okay, well, I keep just tapping it once and it doesn't go to pastor. It just like turns it off. <laughs> Or sleep mode or something. (laughs) It's super annoying. I did that so many times when we were playing Demio the other day, and I was like, ah. (laughs) Anyway. I, I will say in regards to that, like pass through on the quest, if you have developer mode on, which turns like if you have the guardian turned off for developer mode, it will not let you look at that pass through when you press that. And I find it just the most annoying thing because it's like it has doesn't even matter. Like I, I can like just because I don't have the like circle around me i don't understand why i need to not be able to see the pass through but because of that aspect mm-hmm. i just never use the pass through for anything except for like ar apps which you know they're definitely a bunch of them but they're you know centered in their own thing i will say with the eating thing uh i remember watching you eating while you're in this 10 days vr thing and you would <laughs> drop something and uh, now would have to come in and clean it up for you <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just so hard to live with the vr headset on it really is. It's getting easier, but it's We hard. should have given you a bib on those <laughs> days. <laughs> like the cool new bibs, though, that have the catch-all at the bottom. Yes. Of I didn't know that was a thing till one of our friends was feeding their kid. And bibs now, instead of just being something the food rolls down to their lap, there's like a catch-all tray at the bottom of the bib. It's like, why wasn't that always a thing? That just makes sense. It catches all the crap that falls down. I feel like I need to just wear those. Because <laughs> I drop food all over myself all the time. We Bro, all just did ta- taco it. day. Just have the wrap just in that like, thing at the bottom. It all just falls down. Oh, there we go. A new, I get, I put a taco couple, put a couple taco shells in the catch all, and you got yeah, your, next, exactly. your next three tacos. Extra tacos, <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh! Well, we had some VR stuff happen in the news realm, but before we get to that, we got to tell you about Asterian products. I'm rocking two of their stands on my desk here. Oh, They're beautiful, yeah. RGB glowing stands where you can put your VR headset, your headphones. If you go on Amazon, check them out. Make sure you use code Full Dive Ten for 10% off on us. Now, some big news dropped on Friday, and today is now Sunday, so the news is actually mostly in effect. Meta said, okay, Quest 2 and Quest Pro need some price slashes. So the Quest Pro, which launched like in October at $1,500, is now permanently dropped to $1,000. Imagine having paid $1,500 two months ago, three months ago for that headset, and now it's half off and it's going to stay there. And then, of course, the Quest 2, weirdly... The price on the 128 gig is staying the same, $400, which is $100 more than it was six months ago. But the 256 gig that was was $400 six months ago, got bumped up to $500, is now $430. What a, what a whole jumble of numbers. Lip, you're going to buy a Quest Pro now that's only $1,000? <laughs> I, I think had they started with $1,000, it would have been a realistic consideration. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Uh, now that the, the, the hype train has sort of died for the the quest pro i'm, I'm really just looking at the, the quest 3 i'm just mm. like ah you know like this there's nothing that the pro does other than this color pass through that makes me really care that much and i don't even 
the facial recognition thing, I don't, does that even work in anything except for Horizon Worlds, which I don't want to play? So <laughs> I, th- I think I think you know if you're looking for a brand new headset and you got extra money, the pro's all right, but you know it's still thousand dollars, and I mean, mm-hmm. I, it's, yeah. It's, you know, and, and like if, 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 if they said, oh, this is the Quest 3 specs with the Pro and you're going to pay the premium price now, but in a year the Quest 3 is going to be out and this will be like your early access and that all those Quest 3 new things are going to come out, you know, you'll be able to do with the Pro. But I think what's going to happen is people that bought the Pro are going to have Quest 3 exclusive games come out and it's not going to work on the Pro. Pro is not going to be powerful enough and you're going to feel like mm-hmm. a real dummy. Yeah. And $1,500, $1,000, doesn't matter. If it's not going to do what I needed to do, then whatever. And and honestly, like, they, they can slash all these prices all they want. But the amount of quests that are on Marketplace right now, like Facebook Marketplace and eBay, you can easily get it for $350 for, you know, the $256 right now. And I mean, that's used, but used ones usually come with accessories, and the accessories yeah. are expensive. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I mean... I... <laughs> Meta, why? Like, I mean, it's good, I guess, that they don't look into what may happen, it seems like. And then they just, like, make snap decisions. And it kind of screws over people that are buying their stuff. Like, they did that with the Quest 1, where, like, very, like, pretty soon after the Quest 1, there was the Quest 2, and then it was less expensive. And now they're like, we're not going to support the Quest 1 anymore, although I guess it's been a little bit of time now. And then they do this, where, like, just a few months after the Pro comes out at 1500 they, like, like, oh, we're going to make it cheaper for a little bit. And then now we're going to make it cheaper forever. So people paid freaking $500 more a couple months ago and they can't do anything about it now. And it's just, they're just all over the place. I, it kind of annoys me what they do. And I feel like what we've learned from this is you just wait and never buy meta vr headsets until like months later because the price is probably going to go down or they're going to have like a new headset that's better that's cheaper or something like just always wait It is. It is tough. And we're not covering this in the news, but there is some news out there that they announced that they're canceling some of the upcoming headsets, one of which was the Quest Pro 2. So that that right there tells you the Quest Pro failed if they're not going to make another. So, yeah, I had a comment that said even if it was 500 bucks, they wouldn't consider buying one right now because the Quest 3 is coming. It's just there's just no reason to buy a pro. And I'm like, that hurts because I have a pro. You know, I they sent me one. I wouldn't have bought one. And I see the merit to some of it. I do see how it is an advanced piece of tech and it's cool, but there's just no place for it in this world right now. It just doesn't make sense for really anyone unless it becomes very cheap. And those few people that really like the comfort or like the AR or like the fact that you can see around it and see your world, those people might upgrade but it just doesn't belong. Yeah, I don't think they did a very good job selling what it even did to get people excited. And the combination of just, there's just no, there was no, if, if they went and did this trailer thing and said, oh, watch how much better all the games look if you buy this headset, there might've been a reason, but it's like, I don't even understand what the reason is anymore. Yeah. Well, and it's funny because they like heavy marketed it to like businesses, which made gamers not want to buy it because they're like, this is for businesses. Why would I buy this? But all the games work, but they didn't market it that way. And then like the business aspect, I feel like is not intuitive in it because when you go in it, it's still in like the normal like eco space thing. And there's like all your games library and stuff. So it's not like they don't have like 
built in stuff that's like, here's your like virtual desktop and like other like businessy things. Like, why would they not do that if they're marketing it to businesses? And so, of course, I'm I'm sure a couple businesses bought some and then they were like, why do I need this? It's not time to have a super like high powered business headset when there's not enough stuff to support it right now. It just doesn't make me freaking sense. How do they not think of this? I've had some <laughs> caffeine this morning, you guys. <laughs> you can't tell by the angry air. I think that it comes down to meta just keeps making enough good decisions that it does keep furthering VR and it keeps yeah. bringing in new people. If you're a customer there's for a while, you know you're going to get burned. Like that's just how they do. <laughs> but they're bringing enough new people and actually there's some we got some sales numbers on the quest now, right? Yeah, the uh, despite all their bad choices and such, they have sold 20 million quests, which we're guessing includes the one, two, and the pro. I mean, I don't know how much the pro counts, so not 10,000 units. Uh, but uh, in terms of the, the headsets, you know, 20 million. But the other thing that they said was they're struggling to get people to keep using them after buying them, which is why I said you go on Marketplace right now, you go on these second-hand places, you're finding lots of used headsets because... Mm. People bought them. They played Beat Saber. They, you know, maybe bought one other game. They didn't wait enough time to properly immerse themselves in VR. Mm. And I get sick when I play or this happens when I play. You know, Mm. the games aren't, you know, the same thing as playing on, you know, a PS5 on a con, like not even like PSVR 2. I just mean like straight flat screen games. You know, they set their expectations to the wrong Mm. place. And, Mm. you know, ultimately, too, I think a lot of people just pick up the wrong games when they first get a headset. They see what you know the hype things are and you know what i'm what i'm getting excited about after like seven years of playing vr is not what someone that's buying their first brand new headset should be getting into day one because that's (laughs) gonna totally mess you up if you go on and be like i'm gonna get bone lab i never played vr before it's like you're gonna get messed up yeah you're gonna be be like i'm gonna get iron man i never played vr before man i was like i don't think that's a good idea (laughs) <laughs> That's how you get sick. Yeah, there should be so like true. a beginner starter pack that you just get Honestly, with the headset of like yeah. four gentle, good games. Because yeah. like I, it was great that Beat Saber Resident Evil came with it. Resident Evil is a terrible game to put a noob into. Ooh, like yeah. they'll either get mm-hmm. sick or they'll be overwhelmed by the tough controls. Like give them yeah. Beat Saber, super hot job simulator, and maybe That's something like Golf Plus for the sports enthusiasts. You know, give them just something gentle and easy that's really going to get people in. That's what yeah. they should probably do rather than keep dropping the prices, include a Honestly. good bundle of good games yeah. and that'll keep the retention up. We have so many good ideas for them. They just need to listen. They should probably <laughs> go through and listen to like all the VR podcasts and like gather all the information for people that actually like <laughs> use their stuff. But what's that saying? Don't listen to your critics. <laughs> that's probably what they that's probably what they do. You know, don't listen Why to Why would critics. you not listen to your critics? <laughs> they need to look at the history of the game industry because it seems like when they develop all those st- all their stuff, they have all this knowledge of like Android and mobile and mm. things like that. But they take no consideration that their headset is being primarily purchased for video games. Right. And where's where's the new games? Where's the new games? We've been like a year or like over a year since you had Resident Evil. Getting rid of the Echo VR game, like I, I just I I don't I don't really understand where San Andreas is and why they're just why is there not more titles on that Resident Evil Four and San Andreas level? Like you could have you spent all this money hiring people and doing price cuts and doing all these things when in reality games are what sell you games are what yeah. people will buy the headset for and like Resident Evil Four VR is an amazing game. 
why is there not why are you not getting more studios make more games like that like mm-hmm. that's that's the biggest thing to me it's just like when i go and say oh you want to buy the headset it's like well your biggest your biggest title last year is like ports of games that already exist you know here's your bone lab which is basically just bone works here's your iron man iron man on psvr like these are not new games and right there's some stuff that's new but even when the new thing came out with the saints and sinners too it was like buggy you know an unfinished game when it dropped and it's like this is not encouraging consumers to be excited about this headset or you know excited to after headsets been put down for a couple months put it back on and play again because there's i go in the store every, like multiple times a week i go on side quests multiple times a week i'm finding nothing i want to play mm. Yeah, that's that's the retention and the problems. But when it comes to the games, the exciting new games come right now are kind of on PSVR, too. And it's not even that yeah. many of them. That's what it's yeah. telling you is like Quest is kind of struggling in the game space. But we've been spending time playing some VR games on PSVR 2 this week. And I got to talk about Gran Turismo 7 because not only are we playing it, but we're playing it with a full wheel setup. So a Logitech G29 wheel, which has force feedback in the wheel. So if you turn into a corner too hard and the car starts to slide, you'll feel the wheel kind of shaking because of the slide. You'll feel the resistance as you're going. And I've I've played countless hours of this already. I'm not even I don't even care about Gran Turismo's storyline or the career, all that <laughs> stuff. You got to go through the car collecting. I just want to drive the cars. And that's yeah. what I'm doing. I'm just playing these races to drive. And it is so freaking cool. It's so now, fun. Now you played some too. How did you feel about it? Yeah, it's so great. Oh, my gosh. It's so nice. Like, I remember we had this setup like way back in the day when we first got the PSVR one. And it was so freaking awesome. But it looked pretty freaking terrible. It didn't really matter. Extremely blurry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Racing now, games at distance are, it's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> they were, they were yeah. very blurry. Really bad. But on PSVR 2, it's like, it looks good now and it's so freaking fun. And that I definitely would recommend, like, if you can swing it, like, at least get the wheel because the force feedback wheel adds so much. It's so freaking cool. Like it feels like you're really driving around. And it was so funny because I had played some of it right before I drove somewhere in real life. And it was a little weird because it looks so good. When I was like actually driving, I was like, okay, I need to like remind myself this is real life and I can't just like do whatever because if I do that, I will actually crash in real life. And so like it was really weird. Like that really is a testament to how good PSVR 2 is. I've really felt more, and this is getting a little off topic, but like playing games in PSVR 2, I felt that thing that I haven't felt since I started out playing VR, which is when you go back into the real world and you're like, whoa. Like, I just transported back from this other place. Like, I felt that in RE8 and in Gran Turismo. Like, when going to drive in real life, I'm like, oh, crap. I need to, like, get back into the reality headspace. But I also feel like it helps because it feels so much like real driving. I feel like it kind of helps. It could help you become a better driver because you can kind of, like, anticipate what the car is going to do and stuff. So, yeah, I had a lot of fun playing it i feel like i've i haven't had that much caffeine but i feel like (laughs) anyway well Um, someone who still hasn't jumped for the freaking 1100 dollars or whatever it costs in canada for a ps5 (laughs) and a psvr2 are you feeling the fomo are you like oh i'd love to play grand or is this something you don't really care about 
So the Gran Turismo was like the title that came with my PSVR one when I bought it because that was just the bundle that I found for the right price online that I was comfortable paying for. And, uh, you know, it was extremely blurry because the distance thing. And I, I really did not expect that when getting into a, you know, AAA Sony VR game that I thought was going to just be like the best thing ever. And, uh, you know, it sounds like the game that I expected back then is, is this new one here. But that being said, you know, I, I, I love I love racing games uh, enough, but again, I'm not I'm not doing story mode. When I'm doing these usually I'm just yeah. doing some races and having fun. It's just the ultimate just, you know, relax kind of thing. It's the same way for fighting games for me, just kind of relax and play them. And you know what? I think if I had a PSVR 2, Grand Turismo 7 would be, you know, a need to own title because of everything that it provides. I don't know if I'd go as far as, as you know, because some of these 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 wheels are like hundred dollars, hundred fifty dollars. So I don't know if I'm buying I'm buying any of the wheel setup things, though that would be pretty luxurious. I'm definitely definitely pretty jealous hearing about that actually. But I mean, like if I don't know if if if, if you're gonna buy a lot of these racing games on PSVR too, like that wheel setup could definitely be be well worth it. And I mean, you know, it's this game is one of the big exclusives. If you've already had you know PC VR, if you already had the other things, it's like you couldn't have played this game yet. And uh, and I think that's well in VR that is, and I think that's a huge aspect. There's tons of content for it. It's not it's not it's not going to sell me on it. Uh, but if if I had PSVR two, it would definitely be a game that I would get. Yeah, I feel like we should have you visit sometime. Like just take a U.S. vacation and like <laughs> a very long try road trip. <laughs> <laughs> Well, luckily, you can still get a taste of racing on Quest 2, right, Lip? Yeah, so uh, I know this one's had some some negativity uh, when it came out, but ad- admittedly, the closest thing to Gran Turismo <laughs> on the Quest is Grid Legends. And it is, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a port that definitely, you know, they've, they've optimized very heavily to get to work on the headset. I don't believe it has a PC VR version of it. But what's basically what they've done is they've taken the flat screen game. They have removed every bit of lighting and shadowing humanly possible. <laughs> the mirrors don't work. Uh, oh there's there's, you know, the levels sort of load in a lot of the times. And it's not it's not blurry like the, the Gran Turismo 7 was, but it's not detailed at all. Those things aside, I love this game. I think it's awesome. And I just have a great time playing it because it's just traditional, just racing. There's a bunch of cars. There's a bunch of cool levels. It's not too hard. It has all these ease of use things that make it just easy to play. And, you know, it's 30 bucks for, you know, a, a full a full game. Like, it's not like, you know, there's so many games on the quest that are two, two to four hours and you're done with them. Mm-hmm. This is the kind of game where I'm like, if I want to just play a native just driving racing game on the headset, I'm not getting any better than Grid Legends. So I'm, I'm playing Grid Legends. And, you know, I'm, I totally get all the complaints people had. But that being said, I just do not care. It's still a really cool game. And <laughs> I, I say that even with PC VR, I could totally be playing, you know, the PC VR racing games. But it just it, it just seems simplistic enough and easy enough to get into that. I can I can definitely recommend it. I will say at the same time, though, it's one of those stupid 30 gigabyte file size games. And they drive oh. me insane because every time they have an update, it's like 10 gigabyte update. Oh you know, God. you're not playing this game right now. You got to wait like 10 minutes for this thing to dive. I'm like, well, I'm, I just wanted to play the game real fast, you know, do a quick race. You know, my entire play session is going to be less time than this download is going to take. And <laughs> I, I hate when I hate when games, I feel like if you go past 10 gigabytes on the headset, it's like you better be 
you better be showing off something that genuinely deserves that. But again, with Grid Legends, you know, visually, I could definitely make complaints. But gameplay wise, I have nothing to complain about. You know, there's just there's not a lot of stuff on the headset that does racing and driving. And yeah, that's one that does it. And it does it good enough for me. Yeah, it became a meme <laughs> basically when it first came yeah. out to hate on this game for how it looked. And I appreciate people like I think Gamer Tag was one of the first ones that came out kind of against that. He's like, you know, a lot of people are hating on the visuals, but it's on a quest. Remember yeah. that. And for what it was in the quest, it actually ran pretty well. They made it look mm-hmm. good. They made it reliable, which people don't realize in a racing game, you've got to have a high frame rate. Yeah. So you got to sacrifice mm-hmm. a lot to get that. That's why PSVR 1 didn't look that good because, yeah, yeah the freaking the headset could have looked better it just could not power the frame rate high enough to keep you from getting sick and right. so he was like hey yeah it doesn't look great but this thing actually plays really well it's fun it's the best racing you're going to get on the quest so really what it came down to is this is the best the quest could probably do yeah. for a racing game that, that's that's where i felt with it where i just kind of was like you know you, you take what you get you get either you get this or you get nothing you know if you want yeah. nothing then be my guest but <laughs> I mean, I, I play so many games on the headset that look way worse than this game. So yeah, they don't usually it really, cost $30, but <laughs> true. I, it really shows too that like graphics are cool. Like you want it to look okay at least, but like at the end of the day, what really counts is if the game is fun. So if it's fun, then it doesn't really matter that much if it looks super great. Yeah, you can, you can have all the next gen racing games in the world, but you know, take me back to the PS1 Need for Speed games and they are still some of the best you can play. Yeah, for sure. I know. I still like go back on my Switch and play like old Super Nintendo games because I'm just like, these are great. I love them. Yeah, I have a whole bunch of those retro handheld systems that I just love to play all the classic games and I've been doing a kick playing every I've been trying to go through and play every single Game Boy Color game that ever released, which there are like 1300 of. I've been oh my god I, I I usually have like five minutes at the end of break that I'll play one or two games and I'm like I'll just chipping away at these chipping away and you know maybe it'll take me two years but I'm gonna find out what all the hidden gems are nice oh you just love those hidden gems oh I just love them <laughs> I, I, I'm just like I can't I don't know I don't know these Game Boy Color games they're all new to me I don't care that they're <laughs> probably the most inferior hardware things like a humanly play right now but I'm going for it <laughs> that's awesome well I'm excited that we've got more games coming to talk about. Hopefully it looks like PSVR 2 is going to help lift us up a little bit in the games. And of course, Quest 2 stuff is always coming. We just don't know when the big hitters are going to show up. (laughs) But if you're out there and you've been thinking, hey, I need a place to discuss my VR obsession with people. Our Discord server, we got characters in there and it's fun. (laughs) The (laughs) debates get a little off track, but I enjoy going (laughs) and seeing what Shafe and the Play PSVR guys are fighting about at the time. So check that out. Uh, And then you can ask us questions there that we can then answer on future podcasts where we've got a lot of questions. We're catching up one week at a time. (laughs) And then we get more. (laughs) Yep, we get more. But thank you so much for being out here listening and hanging out. The podcast is doing great. It's at almost 3,000 subscribers on YouTube, which is really wild. (laughs) Yeah. So thank you again. But if you've been thinking about VR and now the Quest Pro has just dropped $500. Now that it's dropped that, I'm not actually recommending you get a Quest Pro, but maybe look at a used Quest 2 or when that Quest 3 drops, maybe it's time to dive on in. Dive on in.